Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain. But you feel it. You felt it your entire life. But there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Seeker Podcast, that service of change where we challenge reality, question that which we've been taught in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change. I'm your host, Dennis Nappy II, with Service of Change. On tonight's show, I'm going to be talking about reincarnation. Is it real? Is it true? Is it possible? Some compelling stories and evidence that may change your mind. But before I get into that, let's jump into the news and some things going on around the world. As of the date of this recording, December 23rd, we are two days away from the Christmas holiday. The other day, we saw the winter solstice. We are, we celebrated, some of us celebrated the uh, holiday of Yule, where it was the shortest day of the year, which means it can only get brighter from this point forward. The light is starting to return. Let's hope that it sheds some light and brightness on some of these dark things that are going going on in the world around us. I just saw come across the uh, news feed through Drudge Report. I actually pulled it off of the LA Times, what Drudge was linked to. Unfortunately, actress Carrie Fisher, better known as Princess Leia in the Star Wars films, is in critical condition after a cardiac episode on flight from London to LA. It says that... Uh, she started experiencing chest pains. Fisher, 60 years old, was rushed to the hospital by Los Angeles Fire Department paramedics shortly after noon after her flight touched down at LAX. A source who was not authorized to discuss the incident said the actress was in, quote, a lot of distress on the flight. Fisher, who rose to stardom as Princess Leia, recently published an autobiography titled The Princess Diarist, her eighth book. She's the daughter of famous Hollywood couple Debbie Reynolds and Eddie Fisher. So my thoughts are definitely with her during this holiday season. Hopefully she can pull through, but it sounds pretty serious for her. Something I will continue to uh, follow and keep tabs on. Out of uh, the Daily Mail, we have the world's most wanted man is dead. They're talking about the Berlin killer who had recently pledged allegiance to ISIS. What do we have here? Rookie Italian policeman guns down fugitive Berlin killer screaming Allah Akbar after he shoots his fellow officer when they confront him in Milan as the Tunisian's ISIS video is revealed. So there's a video talking about this. This is the gentleman who not too long ago ran over 12 people in Berlin. 
with uh, with a large tractor trailer. Very sad. So this story is currently developing. I will keep tabs on this as well. I'm sure you're going to have the the official story, the backstory, the conspiracy theory. I'm sure there's a lot more to this issue, but at the end of the day, it's unfortunate that this is going on and is flooding our airwaves and our news feeds. Um, but we'll keep tabs on that as well. This story I found quite interesting. This comes to us from uh, metro.co.uk. Woman can't leave her house because of an allergy to Wi-Fi and mobile phones. This catches my attention because of all the stuff that I cover on my show. Uh, A woman says she is permanently housebound because she's allergic to Wi-Fi and phone signals. Kim Daada can rarely see friends and family because of electromagnetic waves from modern technology give her migraines, fatigue, and even infections. The former nurse has to wear a shielded bed net on the rare occasion she leaves her home and can only visit places with poor mobile phone reception. The debilitating condition has forced her to move home twice due to phone masks being built nearby, and she now sleeps under a special net. She hopes that speaking out about electrosensitivity will help people understand her unusual condition and be more sympathetic. Uh, It goes on to talk about how she's tried to deal with this, how she first started noticing that she was getting sick, and how these things have affected her, causing fatigue, sickness, uh, and I think she had some uh, significant rashes and things that were showing up from it as well, to include also significant migraines. I'm I'm sharing this story because it ties in so well to the research that I'm doing in my book and the things that I talk about on this show about our connection to this electromagnetic field. How I say that this field has an influence on human emotion, how we're constantly transmitting and receiving information on this. Now, I think of a bell curve and, you know, on a bell curve, some of us are more sensitive to things. Some of us are less sensitive to things. Whatever it is that we're talking about, there's a wide range on a spectrum. You talk about people, you know, just take vision, for example. You have some people that have perfect 20-20 vision and, and beyond and they don't ever need glasses throughout their life. And you have other people who they end up blind when they're born or through injury or or accident or disease. This electromagnetic field, which literally I believe is our sixth sense, this field that we have, um, you know, some of us are more sensitive to that field and highly psychic, others not so much. My point is this field is out there and now that we have other things that are interfering with this field, i.e. Wi-Fi and other um, wireless signals that are out there, This woman is on obviously one end of the spectrum where this field is impacting her in a very negative way. Now, we've heard uh, several speakers talk about this, the dangers of Wi-Fi and how it's interfering with us. And I, I, I am tending to believe that it is. I think she's an extreme case, but I think we all need to be more mindful and more aware that this is out there. This is a possibility that it could be interfering with us in ways we don't even realize at this point in time. 10 years, 20 years, even 100 years from now, we may look back and say, wow, we were just swimming in this toxic radiation that really messed our minds up or messed up our connection even further to uh, things around us, to the universe. So something I'm going to keep tabs on as well as stories like this come up. I'll have all the notes, um, you know, all the links in the show notes at serviceofchange.com. So tonight on this show, I want to talk about... um, reincarnation and really this this all stemmed from a facebook discussion that i was having with one of the groups that i belong to um somebody jumped on there uh, pretty upset 
and she was talking about a particular video, one that I, I haven't seen this particular video, but I'm familiar with the theory. And she said she watched a YouTube video and the YouTube video basically said the light at the end of the tunnel that we see when we die is a trap. And the trap is set up by demons designed to get us, to keep us contained here, coming back to live life over and over and over again. So I'm familiar, you know, I heard this through um, a talk by Robert Morningsky, very good, very, he's a fantastic storyteller. And, you know, I've shared his links before. I've talked about some of the things he's covered, but he he goes through a very good, it's like a four hour, and this video has got to be from the early 80s that's floating around YouTube. But he goes through this fantastic creation myth that I'm not going to get into right now. But as a part of that creation myth, he talks about how, Basically, human souls have, have been enslaved in on this planet. And I know for some of us, this may be a lot to swallow and may sound kind of wacky. Again, I just ask before you dismiss it, before you just say, Dennis, you're talking crazy again, you, you need to look at the backstory. You need to do the research. You need to hear more of this in context. But for the sake of the show, for the sake of time, I'm not going to get into all that right now. I will have resources to it so you can do your own research a little and, and take this backstory, uh, you know, through the show notes. But for right now, he goes into this story about how, you know, humanity's enslaved and part of that enslavement, what happens when we die is what he's saying. He says, when we die, we're, we're shown uh, this beautiful white light that's peaceful and we we're given images of past loved ones because basically our our mind is able to be downloaded which hey we're starting to see that capabilities now listen to previous shows that i've covered but he you know we're seeing images of loved ones and you know enticing us into this light he says it's it's a beautiful light go into the light and you're going to move on to the next stage of your life into heaven and everything's going to be wonderful and you know this is what we see in near-death experiences as well and what he says is it's a trap. Don't go into the light. He, he goes in to talk about this story of, of in Egypt when, when this evil force came down, you know, and infected mankind. What they did was they wiped out people's ability to remember, ability to remember who we are, our connection to the universe, and our connection to past lives. And he said, so what happens is, you go into this light. And it wipes out your memory and your ability to remember. And then it puts your soul back into a body to go live again. So this person was, um, you know, pretty upset hearing a similar theory. I don't think it was Robert Morningsky that she had listened to, but, you know, this theory has been going around, um, you know, saying, hey, is this what's going on with reincarnation? So we went back and forth in a discussion and inspired kind of what I'm going to, what I want to talk about tonight. So, I, you know, I did a little bit of research and there's a lot of good information out there on reincarnation. And I'm going to share a video in the show notes that is very compelling. Number one, for reincarnation. You know, a lot of religions talk about it. They, you know, believe in it. Some religions don't believe in it. You know, it really depends on just where you were born in the world. Um, but this story comes to us, it was a, a family talking about their son, and they said when he was, I guess, just like four years old, he started having nightmares, and he kept waking up screaming, saying you know, that he was on fire, that he was in a plane, and the plane was crashing, and he kept saying all this stuff. And they said he had an obsession with drawing 
airplanes, World War II airplanes, and he would always draw them on fire. He'd always draw them crashing into the ocean. As he got older and he was able to speak and communicate and express himself even more, he started saying that he had died and he you know he was given the name that he had in his past life he was able to identify the name of the ship that he you know took off from and the parents did some research hoping to disprove this and say okay this kid's just got a wild imagination and it turns out what he was giving them was accurate information and they were able to track down his shipmates the people that had had were still alive and when the little boy met them, they, they go on to, to say that he recognized them and he identified them by name. And they were able to, you know, give the family this person's full information, his con- you know, and next to kin and family and all that. And they tracked down this pilot's family. And when he got there, he recognized his, they met the sister. The sister was still living. He recognized the sister. He had information that only him and the sister would know. He was talking to her. Um, you know, so he, he had all this information that he had no way of having at such a young age, uh, you know, which t- makes a, a very strong argument that, yes, this man did die and he was reborn, but he somehow held on to those memories, he was able to capture that, um, you know, what apparently this white light is supposed to wipe out. So, you know, and my my question, I guess, right away is then, well, if, if he's reincarnated, who's to say I'm not reincarnated, but I have no memory of my previous life? Or do I? Um, you know, I haven't had anything that significant as this young boy where when I was younger, I, I wasn't upset or traumatized, but I do know people close to me who, you know, uh, you know, my cousin used to walk around when she was young, like two years old saying my boyfriend drowned. He fell off a bridge. Uh, my brother used to tell me all the time of things that he used to do when he was the daddy. He used to say, do you remember we used to, I used to do this when I was the daddy and you know, that was very strange to me. Um, you know, when he was a dad, it didn't make any sense to send the things he was saying. Um, you know, so I used to wonder, was he, was he an old soul? Was he recycled and just holding on to some residual memories of that? Um, but I, I do remember I, I had dreams um, probably about 15 years ago. I had a series of dreams where uh, I, I was, it was, they seemed like more than a dream. They almost seemed like memories. And they, that's why they stand out to me because they felt different than your average dream. And they were, one was, uh, I, I was back at, I, I, I want to say Mexico and had something to do with a Mexican pyramid and I was going underground. It was just a brief flash. I don't remember the specifics of it. Um, but I do remember that felt differently and I felt like maybe that was a glimpse of a past life. But another one that stands out to me this is a long drawn out dream. I remember being, I, I guess I had just fought and this is, I'd say thousands of years in the past. I had just fought some kind of battle and uh, I was captured. I lost and all my, and we were on a ship. All my people had lost and we were on these ships and I, they were taking us to, to be enslaved because we had lost this battle. And I remember our ships docked and I, I got off the ship with my people and I remember feeling that I was in Egypt and I ran, I ran away right away. I just, I ran away from our, from my captors. And I remember there being these lush green fields. I guess I was getting off the Nile and crawling through the mud in these fields. 
and I eventually got captured again. And I remember the, the, the guards or whoever captured me laughing at me, saying, you know, you were just crawling through feces in our, that's how we fertilize our fields. And I remember I stood up, you know, all covered in it, and I looked out at the horizon, and there were these bright white buildings. They were just glowing with this, uh, this luminescence. It was beautiful. And the last thing I remember is I got the impression that although I was a slave, although I lost the battle, I was going to be absorbed into their culture. It was just a very powerful experience for me, you know. So I wonder, was that was that a past life for me? Was that was I having a memory uh, somehow, some way, of some prior experience? And the more I talked, you know, about it, you know, I'm always reminded of of the works of of Robert Monroe. Um, you know, who talks about, you know, and I covered this in, in another show, like, you know, what happens when we die. But he, you know, he did a lot of work, his book, Ultimate Journey, and, and you know, um, talked about what happens when when we die. And, he, you know, he held on to basically depending on our belief system is going to dictate where we go because uh, you know some of the people in the thread that I was involved in were talking about you know are we going to go to hell I have this fear of death and really this this ties into so much of the research that I've been doing and it ties into our understanding of consciousness and altered states of consciousness when we're in an out of body state most of us, for the most part, unless this is something we practice or just have a natural ability to do, when we're, we're, it's almost like a dream. And we don't have control. We don't have conscious control, not the consciousness that we recognize. I'm Dennis Nappy the second. I'm, you know, 37 years old and I'm a father. I don't have those memories with me. It's usually whatever experience I'm having in the dream that dictates my reality and there's nothing I can do about it because I'm not self aware. But we can train ourselves to have that awareness in those altered states. And this ties into the reincarnation. I'm going to get into it in a minute. But we can have that awareness of it through practice. You know, Monroe Institute has a lot of really good programs that they offer that can train us to be more aware. But not just them. You know, if you read the work of Carlos Castaneda, he trained with Don Juan Mattis, the, you know, the Mexican shaman, the Yaqui Indian. And, and he was saying that the job of the shaman is to train and prepare for death so they can, hold, so they can maintain, basically continue to be themselves after they die. They won't get reabsorbed and, <clears throat> and reused. He said that they spend their life preparing for death so they can ultimately hold on to their individuality. Uh, and that makes a lot of sense now with my understanding of, of consciousness from, from my vantage is that when you're in an altered state, it's very difficult to, to maintain who you are and then have physical control or, or whatever, you know, it's not a physical state, but control of your body and your actions, your movements. But there's countless reports of people who have these abilities. I have a limited uh, awareness when I'm when I'm really working and trying at it, I'm I'm continuing to improve through meditation, through research, through understanding. So Monroe talks greatly about this, but he says for the average person in today's society, because this is something that's not a part of our everyday lives, at least in Western thought, whatever it is that we believe 
is what becomes our reality when we die. So if you live your life and you believe you're a horrible person and you believe in hell, when you die, there's a very good chance that you are going to encounter demonic forces. Now that could be A, because your mind and your consciousness is creating that reality for you. Or it could be B, that <clears throat> that, that reality exists and because that's where you believe you should be, you're going to get pulled into that. He talked about several transitions that he helped with because he would go into an out-of-body state and he was somehow led to people that were in the process of dying. So one of the things he would do then was he would, they would be very upset, they'd be very confused, very panicked. He said some people, as he would take them, he'd be traveling to you know bring them somewhere calm where they could process what had happened and help them move on. He said all of a sudden one second they're there and then they disappear when he reached a certain point, you know, in the other realms. And what he came to find out was, you know, wait the way he explained it is they got pulled into their belief systems. So for somebody who's predominantly Christian, once they recognize that they're gone, that they have passed on from this plane of existence, they will be pulled into, based on their energy signature, based on their consciousness and awareness and beliefs, they're going to get pulled into a Christian realm to help them process, to help them transition, to help them prepare for the next phase of whatever it is that they're going to next. I don't know what that is, but he said he people would just, you know, souls and spirits would just disappear from him as he was taking them. Uh, you know, they, they'd go into another realm. And he said it was the belief systems that, that pulled them into that. My point in, in explaining that, uh, because Monroe <clears throat> didn't have a belief system like that. He was just an open-minded explorer. So he was able to go pretty much and see everything and bounce around. I mean, obviously not everything, but he, there, you know, there were limits, but he was able to bounce around and see things. You know, if you haven't read his book, I recommend read all of his work uh, and beyond him. But it was fascinating because he was able to just be an explorer because he understood the transition process. He reminds me of what Don Juan had said in Castaneda's book, is that he was prepared for death. Monroe had was comfortable in the out-of-body state. It wasn't foreign to him. So he knew, basically, you know, he understood the pathways and the directions and how to travel and how to communicate. You know, and I suspect that those of us, when we die, for the average person... It's a whole new experience, so we just go wherever we're led or wherever we're told to go because we don't know any better. And I think that's what Don Juan Mattis was talking about in, in his book as well. Is you, you know we don't want to get absorbed you know into those belief systems. We have the ability to go somewhere else. So I do believe there's some credibility to uh, not just reincarnation, but this trap, this white light, this deception. What Robert Morning's guy said was, when you die, before you go into the light, I just ask that you look in the opposite direction and see what's there. You can always turn back around and go into the light. And that's what he was, that's what he was putting out there. Now, if we look at, you know, these archontic forces, if, you know, I'm currently doing my research through the Nag Hammadi library and looking into the archons and trying to get all the information that I can. But if, if these parasites really do have this level of control over humanity, if, if the planet Earth or what we perceive as Earth right now is some type of farm where they take, they're harvesting our energy and the, and the goal is to, you know, 
pull all the suffering out of us that they can in this lifetime so we can produce what Robert Monroe called loose, what we can just call emotional energy. Um, if, if that's the goal and they want to recycle us and get us back into another physical form to produce more, then yes, it would make sense that they put us in front of this white light to wipe our ability to remember who we really are. Because if we can remember one life to the next, we can form that resistance. Now, my point in saying this is what I've noticed and what I've read, what I've researched, what others have told me that have gone through similar journeys is the key is fear. We are afraid of the unknown. I remember being a kid and, and sensing a ghost. You know, I'd get these feelings, I'd get these impressions that, hey, I think there's a ghost in my room or a spirit or a presence or just an unfamiliar energy. And right away, I would start to pray and I'd tell it to get out of my house and I'd scream at it and get out of here, you're evil. And as I got older and I started exploring these feelings I had, I, became, I began to realize that just because I'm feeling something new doesn't mean it's evil or demonic or of the devil. Um, I, I began to realize that there are some things that if I stop and explore it, I get a warm feeling from it. I get information that helps me. But because it was something new and uncomfortable and because of my religious upbringing, I immediately dismissed it and pushed it away. And I believe it's the same thing with this transition after we die. If we can be more comfortable in an out-of-body state or in meditation or just in our broadening our understanding of life after death, even if it's only through our research and reading of the experiences of others. I mean, I think we can all have these types of experiences at varying levels during our, our, our living existence in the physical realm. But even if it's just un having a, a broader understanding, we won't be bound by fear. We won't jump at the first thing that comes our way. We can have a choice. We can make better decisions for our own spiritual growth and evolution. Are we supposed to come back? I don't know. Is, you know, is this earth simply just a giant school from us and we're learning through our hardships? Well, that's a possibility as well. I, I can't say for sure either way. But we should at least have the option and, and the awareness to make better decisions for ourselves. And fear is our greatest inhibitor. I was talking to, to somebody just yesterday about uh, experiences with night terrors and with incubus and succubus and how you wake up, you're paralyzed, and all of a sudden you sense things in the room and, and you freeze and you can't move and you can't do anything. So you try to fight and fight and fight and it just gets worse. And what I've noticed in my own experience when lately, when that starts to happen, and it doesn't happen often anymore, I think, because I'm in a different state now. I don't have fear of those things because I understand that the only way they can control me is if I'm afraid of them. Once I realize that your power is only based on fear and you can't hurt me if I'm not afraid, they disappear. I suddenly have control again. It suddenly doesn't happen anymore. And it took me a long, it took me... 35 years to build up that that understanding and that that ability to just shrug that fear off. Now, some people do it a lot quicker. Some people do it naturally. Some people never get past it. And what it took for me was being willing to have an experience with those things and to say, okay, I'm going to face you now. What are you going to do? I'm not afraid. And that changed things for me.
And I think it's the same thing when we die. I know I said this show's strictly about reincarnation, but all this stuff I think is connected. If, if this happens and it's a bad thing, we need to have a choice. We need to take that choice back. That's why I think it's important for us to understand, as I keep saying, I am human, but we are not who we think we are. Bob Monroe, his famous line, he said it in all his, you know, his meditations prior to uh, going into the out-of-body states, I am more than just a physical body. We all have this ability to connect to, to visit with, to access information from something greater than than ourselves, something beyond the physical state that only our five senses can perceive. And I think if we can control that fear, if we can limit that fear and realize we don't have to be afraid because fear is what keeps us trapped, then I think that opens a whole new window of opportunity for us. And I think that is our greatest resistance. And in looking at a lot of the stuff that's going on in the world today, you know, I talked earlier in the show about ISIS and the terrorist attacks and Donald Trump's now president. There's all this drama that's still going on around him and, you know, wars against cops and and violence in the streets and what's going on in Syria. I mean, it's when we're in fight or flight mode in the physical realm, We're not able to do that inner work. So I challenge us that no matter what's going on in the world, unless you're in immediate danger and have to run away, we need to find time to unplug and do that inner work. Because otherwise, if this trap does exist on the other side, we're just going to be recycled and put back in the same situation or worse. So we need to do that work now. We need to find the time. We need to make the time. Even if it's just reading a book or listening to an audio book about this, that opens up your consciousness to other possibilities as opposed to the same trap that maybe we've been fed or given. There are other things out there, things we don't understand yet. So I'll have links and resources in the show notes at servicechange.com attached to this show and I hope you'll take the time to look at it. I would love to hear from you. Uh, send me an email, send me a comment, hit me up on Facebook. What are your thoughts on this? What's your experience with this? You know, the more we talk, the more we communicate, the more we can learn from one another and I think that's what we need to do. I mean, I, I, I had some great experiences just talking with this one group in, on Facebook, sharing experiences, sharing knowledge and resources and, and so I challenge you as my listeners to do the same thing uh, and let's see what we can learn from it because there's a lot of, I barely scratched the surface. There's so many more great works out there and research and testimonials and, and firsthand accounts of, uh, of things that paint this picture for us. Uh, we just need to be open about it. So again, I, I'd love to hear from you. I, I invite you to sign up for the Seeker newsletter. It's my free newsletter. It comes out every single week. Um, you know, and it has the, the links to the show, has the links to the podcast, which is on SoundCloud, YouTube, uh, and, and iTunes. It's got all the links if you want to do your own research. And, and, you know, if you're questioning what I'm saying, you know, it gives you a starting point to kind of go off in your own direction as well. And it usually has some comments from me as well that are exclusive to my subscribers. And you'll get free access to read my free ebook, I Am Human, and We Are Not Who We Think We Are. And I'd love for you to do that as well because that sets the stage for the book that I'm working as hard as I can on right now. Uh, I Am Human Food for the Archons. It's it's an empowering book, exploring these concepts a lot more, exploring who we are, what we're capable of, and what this threat is that may be manipulating us and influencing us and how we can bypass it and uh, really access 
more of our potential and freedoms against them. So uh, please check it out at serviceofchange.com. Just sign up for that newsletter. I'm out of time now. I'd like to wish all of you uh, a very happy and healthy holiday and a Merry Christmas for those of you that celebrate Christmas and any other holidays that you may celebrate during this time. Hanukkah, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, um, and whatever else is out there. Like I said, we just celebrated Yule to my pagan friends out there as well. Um, make it a great holiday. I'll be back again next week with uh, another show. If you or anyone you know would be interested in being a guest on the show, I'd love to have you. Please reach out at servicechange.com and contact me as well. Again, that's all the time I have for this episode of The Secret Podcast. I'm Dennis Nappy II with Service of Change, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning and keep an open mind. Thank you. Seekers.